1: So much for joining us as we get underway at seven minutes after the hour of nine o'clock on this Monday, the 28th morning of the first month of the year of our Lord, 2019. Well, it's a different country today than it was uh, when we wrapped up on Friday, because the president of the United States, according to those on the American left, caved, well, quite frankly, on the American right as well. A lot of those, especially on the far American right, the president caved. And the government reopened without getting funding for the border wall. And uh, that's a very different story than we had literally just a few short days ago on Friday. Federal uh, workers who had been furloughed and uh, laid off uh, during this period of time, not receiving pay, are now back to work. And everybody's happy. And the Democrats are like a bunch of... 16-year-old schoolgirls wearing uh, little bows on their hair and uh, carrying pom-poms because they're just cheering, scoreboard, scoreboard, we won, we won. They're cheering Nancy Pelosi and her incredible victory over Donald Trump. There was a stare down. Trump blinked. There was a showdown. Trump caved. We have right on our side. The right side won meaning the correct side won in their minds. And that's where we are. They're celebrating. They're cheering President Trump's defeat. And I have to tell you, well, first I will ask you, how did you feel when you heard on Friday? Because it wasn't the case when we signed off the year. This happened later in the day. How did you feel when you found out that the president was indeed going to sign a three-week spending bill that funded the government, that opened up those closed agencies, put back to work those 800,000 workers, got them back on a paying basis, gives them an opportunity to get their back paychecks cut so they can get back caught up on their own situations. But we didn't get any money for the border wall. How did you feel? When I first heard, I will tell you this. I joined a lot of the far-right critics in really criticizing the president. I thought to myself, how is this any different than what President Trump did for the first two years of his presidency? How many times did he threaten to veto spending bills that didn't fund the border wall? And how many times did he sign? How many times did the president during his first two years threaten to veto any spending bill that included funding for Planned Parenthood? But how many times did he sign? He threatened every time. And every time we came face-to-face with the government shutdown, he buckled. And he signed. And quite frankly, this is the president's probably greatest failure in two years. He wasted two years of Republican majority. He wasted it. He had leverage then. He doesn't have leverage now. That time is now gone. Now, it's not all on him. Paul Ryan, Kevin McCarthy, leadership of the Republican-led House, did not fight for this on his behalf. They did not try to whip up votes. Steve Scalise, we all love Steve Scalise, and we all know who Steve Scalise is and what he's been through. But he didn't do his job as the majority whip, trying to whip up votes to get this thing done. Moreover, the Senate side... Mitch McConnell didn't do enough if the House did pass spending bills that were going to fund the border wall. The House didn't do enough to whip up enough votes. And this is where it comes back to the President. The President didn't do enough negotiating with the Democrats then. What do you want to give me my funding? All I need is about eight or nine Democrat senators. What do you want? I need funding for this border wall. What do you want in return? That's how negotiations are done. I think Hugh Hugh Hewitt said this morning, it's old school negotiation. He didn't do it. He didn't do any real serious fighting for this. He just assumed it would happen when it happened. But it never happened. And now here we sit. So this time on Friday, when he signed yet another spending bill, good news of course being this one is only three weeks and not nine months, the way some of the others were. When he signed another one, I just thought, Par for the course. There's the president, the great deal maker, the great negotiator, caving again. But I thought about it a little more. By the end of the day, when my wife came home from her job, and she said, did you hear? I said, of course I heard. She said, are you mad? And I said, not anymore. She said, why not? And I said, because this could very well be the masterstroke of, that President Trump needed to make. What do you mean? What was the president counting on being able to do just four days ago, five days ago, in an attempt to swing the opinion of the American people to his side of this? What was he hoping to do? He was hoping to give the State of the Union address. He was hoping to stand there before America with a 60- to 90-minute uninterrupted window of time with Nancy Pelosi grimacing behind him, laying out the facts, laying out the case about the humanitarian crisis and the national security crisis at our southern border. And what did Nancy Pelosi do, knowing that if he gave that address, All leverage, all of the lies, and everything else that the Democrats have talked about would be in jeopardy. All of the leverage that he had would be in jeopardy because the lies would come out. The president, at such a State of the Union address, would be well served to quote Nancy Pelosi, to quote Chuck Schumer, to quote former Senate Majority and Minority Leader Harry Reid, to quote former President Barack Obama to quote former uh, uh, Secretary of State Hillary Clinton, to quote former President Bill Clinton, and on down the line to every prominent Democrat who in the course of the last 5, 10, 15, and 20 years, and maybe even a little beyond, have all underscored the need for border security, including border fencing, barriers, walls. And Nancy Pelosi said, I can't have him do all that. So she disinvited or uninvited him from giving the State of the Union address in the House chamber. President knew that was going to be his very, very important card to play. It had now been taken off the table. She said, you can't give, deliver that address in our chamber until the government is back open again. The president on Thursday said, Okay. Back on Thursday, quite frankly, I was again angry with the president, saying, what do you mean, okay? Tell her too bad. You're coming to deliver it anyway. Tell her to stop you. Or just re change the venue, change the location. Go give it on the Senate chamber floor. Give it in the Senate chamber and uh, ask Mitch McConnell to invite you. Better yet, hold it down on the southern border. Hold it down outside one of the protected, fenced border areas or barriered areas and have yourself surrounded with Border Patrol agents, ICE agents, and angel families, victims of illegal alien crime. Give it down there and really underscore the point. This is what I thought. And the president said, Nope, nope, don't worry about it. I agree, Nancy. I will not, uh, I will honor your request. I will not deliver the State of the Union address until the government has reopened. And I was mad. It's like, why are you giving her these? You know, the the power to dictate to you what gets done. I know the speaker has to invite the president. That's traditionally how it's done to speak on the House floor. But, but again, she's playing dirty pool here. Play back at her. I was mad. But then the next day, the president said, "Yeah, I've agreed to uh, sign these spending bills. Three weeks, we'll open the government back up. Three weeks from now, if we don't have a deal, we don't have the funding for the border wall approved." Well, then we'll, uh, then we'll, we'll go about it another way. Of course, promising to declare a national emergency and then dealing with it that way. And then it occurred to me. That's why I told my wife I'm not mad anymore. Because the president, by opening the government back up by signing those bills, has taken Nancy Pelosi's leverage away. The president, by agreeing to open that, uh, government, has made it mandatory for Nancy Pelosi to reissue the invitation to give the State of the Union address. Now that the government is open, she can't declare that there's no State of the Union address coming until the government's open. Now he gets those 90 minutes on the House floor, keeping with protocol and tradition. Now he gets those 90 minutes in that chamber... Partisan as it will be, with Republicans standing on one side, Democrats sitting and harumphing their way through on the other side, but Nancy Pelosi sitting behind him, having to take it all. She has to take every bit of it that he gives her, and I mean every quote she's ever made, he can stand there and quote, Every quote that the others have made, he can stand there and quote, and then turn around and even gesture to her and say, Madam Speaker, you once supported border security and spoke out against illegal immigration and the flow across our border. What happened? And then turn back around and speak to the American people again. This is his moment. This is his, if you'll pardon my use of the phrase, this is his trump card. Now he gets the State of the Union address. Now he can lay out the stats. The number of illegal immigrants who cross this border and commit violent crimes. The amount of drugs that cross that border on an annual basis. Now the President can tell the American people why this truly is a humanitarian crisis. Now the President can talk about the number of sick and ailing migrants who continue to flow across this border. I don't know if you saw that story over the weekend. One of many Border Patrol agents are being overwhelmed with migrants, illegal immigrants to this country, crossing the border in between the ports of entry, ostensibly saying they are looking for asylum, but they can't do it that way, and um, having to be transported to hospitals and medical units because they're sick. They're in very ill health, and of course when any of them die while in the hands of uh, the Border Patrol agents and those who are trying to help them, then, of course, we will be blamed for our, our lack of humanity to these individuals and our lack of care. I mean, it's a very serious problem. So the president, I think, made a masterstroke here. Do I like caving into Nancy Pelosi? No. Do I like listening to the cheerleaders, rah-rah, boom ba. we beat you? No. But do I really think that the president's got something a little bit bigger planned here? Yes, I do. Sure, Nance, I'll sign. And no, don't worry, I won't give a State of the Union address.
0: Progressive Democrats, please be aware you have now entered the place where political correctness goes to die. This is the Bob France Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. 9.26
1: now, the Bob France Authority. Again, I mentioned it uh, very briefly going into the break. Congressman Jordan will be by for his regular visit on this and much more, including Roger Stone, Michael Cohen, and all of the others that the uh, uh, special counsel, Robert Mueller, is continuing to try to find a way to to, uh, nail President Trump with collusion over. It's simply not going to happen because there is simply no collusion. Congressman Jordan will talk more about that. And then at 10.08, as mentioned, uh, top of the next hour, my friend David Ray from the Federation for American Immigration Forum, just doing fantastic work on this issue will be joining us to talk about the true crisis at the border. And if the president in three weeks, as expected, because there is probably not going to be a deal cut by the Democrats, even though I think the president can move the needle a lot with the State of the Union address when that's scheduled, um, if there is no deal cut, which there probably will not be, um, the um, uh David Ray is going to be talking to us about uh, why there really is a need then for the declared national emergency and why the president should operate that way. No spending money in uh, in the wall for it with Congress. Fine, we're going to have to find the money elsewhere. We're going to use we're going to appropriate some of the military funds, some of the Pentagon funds. We're going to use the Army Corps of Engineers to do the building because it is an emergency situation. So it's probably how it's going to go down. And our friend Ray will tell us all about that. All right, to the phones uh, as promised. We'll go to uh, Willoughby and say good morning to Frank. You're on AM fourteen twenty. The answer, Frank. Good morning. Go ahead, sir.
2: Good morning, Bob. How are you doing?
1: Wonderful. Thank you.
2: Good. Hey, uh, to bring this uh, the border thing a little farther, uh, I think Trump is just hes playing this perfectly. He, it may have looked to the Democrats like he caved in, but his thinking is, all right, we'll get the government back open, we'll get these people their paychecks, which they deserve. They'll get their back pay. Uh, looks like I'm not going to get my money for my wall. But he's given the three weeks, he can give a State of the Union address, get some more support on his side, and then the three weeks are going to come. The Democrats aren't going to move at all. Nancy Pelosi's already made that perfectly clear. There's going to be no money except the dollar that's going to go for the wall. After that three weeks, he'll declare a national emergency. Yes, it's going to go to one of the, probably the Ninth Circuit of Hell. They're going to vote him down. It'll go to the Supreme Court eventually, maybe six months, eight months. Hopefully you can get it expedited sooner. Then he's going to get his wall money, and they're not going to get anything. Their base is going to look at her like, what did you do? And his base is going to look like he's the biggest genius ever.
1: Yeah, if it plays out that way, you're 100% right. Because then they will look at her. And you know who will look at her with the most harsh eyes? DACA, DACA recipients and DACA supporters because the President offered to give these people three years of protections uh, in exchange for the border security, and guess what? Now they're not going to have it. Now they're not going to have any amnesty, any kind of a pathway, which of course is going to play to the President's base, because a lot of us were going to be upset when he had to trade amnesty for security, which should not be the case. Security is required by the Constitution. Amnesty, of course, is not. So yeah, they're going to look at her and say, you could have had DACA protections, you could have had this, 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 and this in exchange for that. wall." now he's got it and you, and you got nothing in return. So, in other words, it's short term versus long term. You know, it's it's chess versus checkers, and I think that's how this thing is playing out right now.
2: I think so, and I think he's just he's going to checkmate her at the end. He really is.
1: Yeah. Exactly. That's that's exactly what I'm saying, and I think you're on. You're spot on, Frank. Thanks for the call, my friend. I appreciate it. I'll get to the rest of the phone calls or those that are holding right now. Right after we check our news, we'll get news more of your calls. Then uh, again, Congressman Jordan. Really looking forward to what he has to say about this coming up on AM fourteen twenty. The-
0: Attention, social justice warriors. If you're looking for a safe space where your delicate ears won't be offended, this isn't it. This is the Bob Fretz Authority. On AM 1420,
1: The Answer. Yes, they have. 934, the Bob Francis Authority on AM 1420, The Answer. Good morning to you. Thank you for joining us. So, uh, yeah, I think we need to hear this a little bit now because um, I think Ryan Fournier, who, uh, who tweeted this, yeah. see, this is what I'm talking about. This is what the president of the United States has a chance to do on the state of the or during the State of the Union. You want to you want to win the hearts and minds. You want to win the the information war. You want to win the propaganda battle. As the left continues to say, there's no emergency. We don't need a wall. Uh, uh, we're uh, the uh, re- uh, Republicans and President Trump are manufacturing a crisis at the border. Uh, we don't need this. It's racist to try to keep these people out of the United States. President Trump is only trying to make America white again. All of this nonsense, right? This is what he can do at the State of the Union Address. Maybe, rather than reading the quotes, maybe he can have a screen in the room and he can play all of the audio from people like, I don't know, President Barack Obama. This is not going to be a free ride. It's not going to be some instant amnesty. What's going to happen is, you are going to pay a significant fine. You are going to learn English. You are going to go to the back of the line so that you don't get ahead of somebody who was in Mexico City applying legally. It's not something that is guaranteed or automatic. You've got to earn it. I think the American people, they appreciate and believe in immigration, but they can't have a situation where you just have half a million people pouring over the border without any kind of mechanism to control it. That's exactly correct. But when President Trump speaks in those terms, it's racist. The American people, including Trump supporters like me, believe in the immigration system. We believe in being a nation of immigrants. We welcome the contributions of those who come to this country wanting to (laughs) contribute. We kind of are turned off by those who don't want to come here legally, and rather than contribute, who want to come in here and soak up and absorb all of the wonderful benefits that this country has to offer. To leech off of the system, there's a big difference. When we say that, though, of course, we're racist. When Barack Obama says it, he got cheered by the left. There are so many sound bites of Obama, Bill Clinton, Chuck Schumer, Nancy Pelosi, Hillary Clinton, Harry Reid, and on down the line of all of these individuals on the left who have cheered for border protection, including barriers, who have called for an end to the flow of illegal immigrants across this border. And uh, and, and the press won't remind people of any of them. It's up to the president to do it. And now the president can do it by way of his State of the Union speech. That is, of course, assuming the State of the Union speech does get rescheduled. As of this moment... It is not
0: responding to questions from reporters. House Speaker Nancy Pelosi said President Trump's annual State of the Union address will be rescheduled once the government has reopened. The president last week acquiesced to Pelosi's cancellation of his planned State of the Union address in the House chamber until the partial government shutdown ended. President Trump agreed on Friday to reopen the government for three weeks without any guarantee Congress would provide money. For his proposed southern border wall.
1: In other words, the government has been reopened. So now, Nancy, let's get on to the business of scheduling. Get with Mick Mulvaney. Get with the president. Whoever you have to get with to make sure that we have the day and time set, and let's get on with this. She will do everything she can once again, despite getting this uh, government reopened. She will do everything she can to try to to obstruct and to uh, delay, if not outright cancel, the State of the Union address because she knows the power that the president is going to have at that moment. That we have been discussing. Wadsworth, Jeff, you're on AM 1420, the answer. How are you doing, Jeff? Good. How are you, Mr. France? Outstanding. What's on your mind, good sir?
3: Well, you know, I, I heard your opening about uh, your roller coaster of emotions, and I had exactly the same uh, same experience. I was out of the country last week, and uh, I arrived Saturday, and then my boss had texted me that the government was reopened. Trump caved. So my. My hopes kind of plummeted, but then I kind of, I, first of all, I went online and looked and saw that it was only a three-week shutdown, and I kind of came to the same conclusions as you. In addition to uh, perhaps getting the State of the Union rescheduled, I think, number one, it uh, it puts pressure on to, uh, to make it seem, I think the leverage has switched back to Trump, that if they do not get a deal done, it now makes it look like. Uh, the obstructionists are, are definitely on the Democrat side, that it wasn't Trump stonewalling. Now it's the Democrats that are stonewalling. So if another government shutdown does occur, I think that favors Trump. I think also that the uh, the reopening of the government um, kind of puts the, uh, the onus on this negotiation of these 17 people that, uh, look, we're going to have the State of the Union... If you guys really want to look bad, then go ahead and, you know, not come to an agreement. I think the fact that the State of the Union probably will occur now, I think that that encourages them to, to do a little bit more acquiescing. So we'll, we'll see. But uh, I, I feel exactly like you do, that, you know, if it's scripted correctly, if Trump plays things correctly, I think that it could be a real powerful message.
1: I I I think the 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 uh, leverage is certainly on his side now Jeff I completely concur as long as he listens to advisors, this is one of those cases where not only his speechwriters, he has to let the speechwriters write and he has to right. let them get this, you know, this information out. But, but he needs, to, I honestly, and I don't know what kind of PR team he has. I don't know if he has the public, public relations firm or, uh, you know, a special, specialist in this area, but, but he really does need to just say, look, I'm not just going to speak from the cuff here. I'm not going to give a, give an address like I would give on Twitter. I need to include very, in a very organized fashion all of the statements made by the Democrats so that for 90 minutes every network in America will be carrying the Democrat hypocrisy. It has to be more of their words, even in fewer of his. I mean, I think yeah. at, at the end here, if he just lets them talk, play them like we do on on social <clears throat> media, and on the Internet, play Chuck Schumer from 2013, and then play Chuck Schumer's words during this uh, during the shutdown. Play Barack Obama's words from 2009, you know, play Barack Obama's words now. And on down the line, just let everybody see. You see, these people weren't interested in in honestly securing the border. These people weren't interested in, uh, you know, uh, they don't believe that a wall is immoral. They're resisting this because they just are resisting me. And if this is what right. you really want your, your representatives in Congress to do, uh, then okay. But I think... Think you should let them hear it and and watch how fast the numbers turn around if he plays it right get a publicist and a pr person or or team of pr people to really help craft this thing and i think he he could be in, in in great shape here
3: it'll be interesting to see i i was hoping that he was going to do some of that audio video in his nine minute address and when that didn't occur like you i was very disappointed yeah i don't know if he'll take this opportunity because I'm sure the critics, as well as um, maybe even some moderates will say eh, not very presidential to play videos during the presidential uh, State of the Union. but we'll see it, it certainly would be a powerful message if he did do that. And Trump. Uh, and, 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 and yeah, to be addressed.
1: honest with you, I think it would be ultimately presidential. Why? Because only the president has that power. This is one of those. Uh, this is one of those elections have consequences. Moments. If you want yeah. the cap, you know, the the attention of the world uh, on you, as uh, as you want to make your statement and then declare, you know, what needs to be done. Because remember, what is what has uh, what has every State of the Union address ever that I in my lifetime time that I've recalled uh, watching and listening to. What has it included? This is the state of the way things are now, and this. This is what I am calling on Congress to do in the future. That's the nature of every single State of the Union address. So he has to say this is the state of the nation now, particularly, and he'll talk about the economy. He'll rightly talk about the jobs numbers and the wage growth and, and, and the manufacturing jobs and all the other things that, have, that are happening. And then he'll get to the immigration thing. This is the way it is now. Lay out the number of people coming. Lay out the fact that there's two, three, four more uh, caravans in line behind the one that's already on its way now. Lay it all out now, and this is what Congress has to be done. And if the Congress doesn't want to do it, we're going to have to ask why, because this is what they have said in the past. To me... Jeff, it's ultimately presidential cuz he's the only one who can command the attention and the time to do this. He's got an unlimited, unlike the 9-minute, um, you know, version you and I just discussed. He's got an unlimited amount of time to uh, to explain this to the to the to the people. And uh and and if anybody can do a slideshow or video presentation here, it's the one person who won the presidency. Elections have consequences.
3: <laughs> well, let's get together and draft a speech and send it to him. Maybe he'll uh, take our advice this time.
1: Oh, that would be something. That would be something. Uh but but you know the president really isn't into taking a lot of people's advice. He really truly And this no, is the thing. True. I I love what the President has done, Jeff, but but you know and I know we've talked about this the past. The one of the president's faults and we all have faults, I don't want to hear people wearing red hats right now freaking out when I'm about to criticize the president. But the president seems to think that he is the smartest man in every room in which, into which he walks. He really does. He thinks he knows more about everything than just about anybody. And while he may in some circumstances, it's not in all circumstances. And he needs to defer to some of the smarter people in the room when it comes to this and, uh, and allow them to craft that speech and to, uh, and to, you know, really, really, you know, narrow scope that message so that the American people know what's going on. Absolutely agreed. Thank you, my friend. Appreciate it. As hey, have always, have a wonderful Jeff, day. You got it, Jeff in, uh, in Wadsworth. That's Jeff Malick, by the way, who does uh, a tremendous job. Uh, let's go to uh, Jan in Cleveland. Jan, I've got about two minutes for you. Go ahead.
4: Okay, uh, Bob. Uh, Snurdly took my call to Rush Limbaugh a, a few years back because he, I thought he was overdoing like you're overdoing, and, and, and in essence, you're sending... What the president could do, our way of dealing with them, it's like sending the uh, battle plan to the enemy before the uh, battle begins. I just think maybe you should cool it a little bit. I'm not sure Na- what
1: you're saying, Jen. I'm not sure what you're okay. saying even a little bit.
4: If if Nancy is listening today, she probably will say after the three weeks. You know, I think you have to she be will, a little She will say, say what after when, the three weeks? The State of the Union.
1: Well, she can't, because she declared that she will not hold it uh, while the government is shut okay. down. And if after the okay. three weeks were uh, shut down I'm, again, I'm she can't have I'm not making this
4: clear. It. You give away too much. You give away too much of, you know, they're going to do this and they can't do that. And uh, they, they have people on their side, and they will do everything they can to deter what you think is such a great idea. I just well, think Jen, that-
1: Jen, listen, I, I understand what you're saying now, Um uh, but I will tell you this. If you, if you think that, that, you know, talk show hosts on the national stage, people like myself or Hugh or Larry or any of the others on the other networks like the one you just mentioned are the ones, the only ones who have thought of this, um, I think you're, you're not giving them enough credit. Uh, they, they realize this too. This is why she canceled it in the first place. This is why she uninvited him in the first place. She knows the position that she will be put in if he gets this opportunity to speak. We're not breaking any new ground here. We're not we're not um, you know, we're not, we're not we're not we're not exposing state secrets here by saying when the president has a chance on the on the podium to do this this and this. I guarantee you they've already thought of that. I guarantee you their handlers, their advisors have already thought of that as well, which is why they're trying to stop him from giving the state of the union address altogether. But again, he put a master stroke in play here. The government is now open. She cannot declare uh, that the security won't be uh, there, etc., and, uh, and she has to get, give him that invitation. Uh, and I look forward to that happening probably in about a week's time. Uh, thanks for the call. Let me get out now so we can make room for Congressman Jim Jordan, who will join us next right here on AM 1420, The Answer. With
0: a face that would let her get away. He saw that face and it lost her. All right,
1: 951, now the Bob Francis Authority continues on AM 1420. The Answer, I want to welcome Congressman Jim Jordan back to our airwaves. Uh, Congressman, good morning, sir. How are you?
5: I'm fine, Bob. Morning to you as
2: well.
1: Congressman, a lot going on. uh short amount of time to talk about it. Let's dive right in. My first response when mm-hmm. I heard the president was going to sign a three-week spending bill that did not include funding for the wall was, oh my goodness, he did it again. He signed a number of those uh, those extensions uh, without any funding uh, for two years when we had the majority in the House, and I could not understand why. He didn't make it a priority to negotiate that wall then. And I got really mad. But then I thought about it a little bit further, and I thought, okay, uh, for three weeks now the government is open. Nancy Pelosi must rescind her uninvitation or re-extend. Her invitation, however, you want to see that, and give him yeah. ninety minutes of time on national TV to lay out the case to the American people. What was your yeah. reaction to this, and uh, and and where do we go from here?
5: No, no, I think you're you're exactly right. And, and let's be honest: over the in the last Congress, I think it was more a problem of, of our leadership not forcing the issue in the con- we, we in the Freedom Caucus. We wanted to deal with this clear back with that omnibus spending package, and you and know, I have talked about that many times. Mm-hmm. So I do think what the president did is all right all right, government's open. This is what you wanted, Nancy. Now let's actually sit down and negotiate and and invite the commander-in-chief so I can give a State of the Union address to the American people and lay out exactly what's going on, lay out the tremendous two years we've had, economically speaking, people on the court, international, with the hostages coming home and the the embassy in, in Jerusalem. Now lay that all out and talk about also why we need a border security wall. So I think he's given her one more chance and let's see what they do. Let's see what the Democrats do. If they can finally get away from this attitude they've taken where it's all about stopping the president and actually step back and for a moment just think about the country, think about the American people, and do what's best for them, then I think we can actually get the border security wall and do what we need to do to secure the southern border.
1: Do you think any negotiation is actually going to bear fruit in three weeks considering she has said point blank zero, or uh, oh, she's just uh, for the sake of saying I'll compromise, I'll give you $1 for the border wall, but she's saying no wall? I
5: I hope so. But I got to be honest. It, it, it goes right back to what I just said. If they don't change their approach, and no, nothing points to them doing that, changing their approach. Because remember, first day of Congress, very first day. What they? What's the first thing they filed? Articles of impeachment. Brad mm-hmm. Sherman, congressman from from California. Within 24 hours, you have the freshman member, hasn't even been a member of Congress for 24 hours, said the disgraceful things she said. You have the Speaker of the House who won't even invite the Commander in Chief to address the nation. Won't even invite him to come to the House of Representatives, to the House chamber, and address the nation. So until that – that appro- oh, you have the Speaker of the House says, no, I'm not going to sit down and negotiate anything. I'm going to take my football and go home. Until that attitude changes, I don't know how you get there. But I still hold out hope, and I think what the President did is said, look, we're going to give you one more chance. Because we care so much about doing what we told the American people we were going to do, what they elected us to do. We're going to give you one more chance. And then if you don't do it, I think he does the executive order.
1: And declares a national emergency, and then we get into the court that's, challenge, which could take months, obviously, yeah. before it gets all the, all the way up to the and Supremes.
5: That's why we're trying to get it done this way, because this is the right way to do it. This is the way to do it through the appropriations process, engage with the, with the legislative branch in Congress and get this done. But frankly, the president does have a, an obligation to do what's best for the country and when it comes to national security. And another caravan is forming. More people are coming. Everyone knows this is a real emergency, real problem. Um, so if he has to do it that way, he has to do it that way
1: uh congressman uh let's talk about the witch hunt um michael cohen the president's former personal attorney uh and some described him as the fixer for for president trump and for president trump as a campaigner uh was supposed to testify before the house last mm-hmm. week canceled it now yeah. says he will he will honor and accept the um uh the uh, uh subpoena to testify before the senate uh but he backed out of the house testimony uh wh- how is he able to do that first of all and second of all um what do you make of the fact that he'll talk to the senate but not uh, not yourself
5: your well i assume the senate hearing is going to be behind closed doors um he wasn't subpoenaed by the House. So if the House says uh, subpoenas him, then, then he may be coming in front of the House. They can't subpoena him because we haven't had our organizational meeting with the Oversight Committee. That happens tomorrow. Once that happens, there are rules adopted for the committee. Then Chairman Cummings could, in fact, subpoena uh, Michael Cohen to come in front of the committee. We'll see. We'll see. I, I mean, this was supposed to be their first big hearing. I always think it's interesting. Their first big hearing, they're going to invite a guy who um, – is uh, to testify in front of Congress who's going to prison in five weeks for lying to Congress. That was going to be their first big hearing. But now that's been postponed, so we'll see. I'm not sure what happened, but my guess is the special counsel, maybe the attorneys at the Southern District in New York, maybe even the state attorney general in the state of New York, said to uh, Mr. Cohen and his lawyer, hey, wait a minute here. You really want to go testify in an open hearing under oath in front of Congress? Uh, So who knows why he didn't? What I know now is the members of the Oversight Committee, the Democrat members, are saying that they are going to subpoena him once, the, once we have the organizational meeting tomorrow. We'll see.
1: Congressman, um, you and I have discussed and you've been on the record many times talking about the FBI and all of the malfeasance uh, from Comey to McCabe to Strzok and Page and all yeah. the others down the line. Uh, and It's supposed to be a little different now, yeah. I guess, but yet the optics that they tried to present to CNN after leaking that they were going to go and arrest Roger Stone, uh, I, I wonder what the FBI's real um, uh, leadership is all about now. When they sent 29, that's the number I heard, 29 agents with long guns, helicopter support, and, a, and an amphibious unit because there was a canal out behind his house. They sent more firepower to get a nonviolent guy that they were coming to arrest than, than they used when they got El Chapo. What, 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 yeah. what in the world is that all about?
5: It just shows the double standard, Bob. I mean, compare it to Cheryl Mills. Uh, they call up Cheryl Mills when they're doing the investigation, ask Cheryl, when, when do you want to come talk to us, Cheryl? When, when, when do you want to turn over your computer? Can, when we come to get it, can we bring you some coffee and donuts? I, I mean, it's, <laughs> it, 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 the, the contrast is is startling, and it would be funny if it wasn't so serious because we're talking about the FBI. We're talking about an organization. I always come back to this. Think about this fact. Jim Comey fired. Andy McCabe, deputy director of the FBI, Fired, lied three times under oath, currently under investigation by the Justice Department. Jim Baker, general counsel of the FBI, demoted, then left, currently under investigation by the Justice Department. Lisa Page, demoted, then left, was on Mueller's team, kicked off because of her extreme bias against the president. Peter Strzok, deputy head of counterintelligence, demoted, fired, on Mueller's team, kicked off because his extreme bias. You tell me when you've ever seen five of the top people at any agency in the United States government where that has happened. Never happened. And now we see this spectacle that took place with Roger Stone last week, where they come in in the way you described, and compare that to what happened to people like Cheryl Mills and others who were associated with the Clinton email investigation. It is ridiculous. and This is one of the reasons I've been so focused on getting to the bottom of this, because it is never supposed to operate that way in the United States of America, and unfortunately it did.
1: That's very well said, uh, Congressman, and I, I just feel really badly, again, because, uh, you know, with Roger Stone, if he did some bad things, he needs to be held accountable for some bad things. But even the things, as I understand it, that he is alleged to have done in the indictment, the seven-count indictment, none of them, again, rise to the level of or prove any collusion between himself or anybody else in the campaign. And that's what Bob Mueller is supposed to be investigating. The collusion was the
5: Clinton campaign hiring Perkins Coie law firm who hired Asian GPS who went and hired a foreigner who went and talked to a few Russians, didn't go to Russia, talked to a few Russians, all a bunch of hearsay, threw this National Enquirer garbage together in a thing we now call the dossier, and the FBI used that. Think about that. Used that document to go get a warrant to so they could spy on the Trump campaign and then investigate the president. That is the but that is what happens. That's a collusion. And yet any type of collusion between the Trump campaign and Russia, zero, zero evidence of that after, what, 19 months now? Bob Mueller's been doing this yeah. investigation. It's, it's I mean, who knows? Who knows what's coming next and when this thing's ever going to end? But uh, like, like we said, we haven't seen any, any evidence of any type of conspiracy at all so far.
1: But meanwhile, they send, uh, they send more guys after uh, Roger Stone than they would have in a showdown with an ISIS cell. It's just unbelievable. And it's all because of the optics. They want everybody to say, ah, look at the feds are circling, uh, around Trump now and they're about to finally take him down. It's just, it's reprehensible. Congressman Jordan, I know you got a lot of work to do. Thanks for stopping in. We appreciate it. You bet, Bob. Thank you, buddy. All right. There you Congressman Jim Jordan joining us. It's 10 o'clock. On uh, AM 1420, the answer coming up, we're going to talk to David Ray. More in-depth analysis from our friends at FAIR, the Federation for American Immigration Reform, about the shutdown that is now over and about the new negotiation over a border wall. Where do we go from here? David Ray joins us next on the Bob Francis.